What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode one of Hot Takes and Cold Cuts. I will be your host, Adam Peak, along with my co-hosts, Ian Peak and Victor Clem. Today, we'll be talking about recent sports news as far as the July 4th hot dog eating contest. We'll be talking about Patrick Mahomes' new record-breaking deal, along with UFC's Fight Island. Along with all these things, we'll have a fun fact of the day. And after all this, we will have an interview with Will Sweeney, D1 Clemson football player, son of Dabo Sweeney. And following that interview, we will uh, dive into our weekly digest, which involves rants and raves, as well as our weekly nonsense. Well, another 4th of July pass, guys, and yet again, we've got another hot dog eating championship out of Jeffrey Chestnut. Dude, and I mean, not, not only did he win, he broke his own record, didn't he? Yeah, 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes, I mean. It's kind well, of unreal. It's, it's sort of the sport that uh, is just sort of hilarious to watch every single 4th of July or whatever, and... Uh, it just nothing feels like Fourth of July more. I didn't watch. I did not know that they had a women's hot dog eating contest. No, yeah, I didn't either. And she goes and crazy. In the wins. She ate. She ate the one that the lady that won the women's hot dog eating championship ate like forty eight. Yeah, she could have placed top five in the men's hot dog eating competition. Easily. Absolutely. I think they rocked her. I just Joey Chestnut has the is single handedly the greatest dynasty in sports history, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we talk about LeBron James, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan. This guy is 13 for 14. I mean, he shows up every year and gets it done. Let's see, when was the last time he lost? I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, he had to have lost to Kobayashi. That's the only... That, that was it. And it was like, I heard on a different uh, radio show that it was that his girlfriend broke up with him the week of. Oh, so he was going through it. Yeah, he was in an emotional time. <laughs> couldn't uh, couldn't handle the glizzly, glizzies per usual. That's what I remember at least. And uh, uh, I'm reading this here. Uh, in 2016, Joey Chestnut won his third consecutive title at the United States Chicken Wing Eating Competition, <laughs> eating 188 wings in 12 minutes. I mean, flats, Bo- drums, what do you think he was dealing with? Bo Jackson, who Michael Jordan, who he's the best dual sport athlete of all time. The glizzy wings, goes. hot dogs, <laughs> and does it all. Shows up, dominates, goes home. Anybody that watches Sports Center at any time during the summer should know who Joey Chestnut is. Well, let's be honest. Who watches ESPN now? Yeah, like, unless there's not, a, unless there's a sporting event on, ESPN isn't going to be on my television. No. I don't know. Scott Van Pelt's the late night sports center. Scott Van Pelt goes hard. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I like Scott Van Pelt's show. But other than that, and watch the top 10 plays on a rerun for an hour and a half. Yeah. That's I what I want to see. Yeah. I'm not trying to hear somebody talk about politics. Patrick Mahomes getting a one of the only, what was it, half a billion dollar contract? The fattest contract of all time. Any yeah. Of any sport ever. I mean, he got baseball money playing football. He he's making more money per minute than than I make an hour. To be honest, I mean, duh, yeah. 
He makes a one point one million every nine days for his new contract. Every nine days he's making one point one mil. And then I saw like a bunch of highlight videos of him up at seven AM the day he signed his contract, putting in work. And that's why he's gonna make half a billion dollars. Well yeah, he's de- he's definitely like the uh quarterback talent of the of this decade for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm already ready to say that he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's got all the all the skill there possible. Like, I can't argue with talent, that. It's, it's undisputed. Unless something goes poorly. Yeah, I mean he's Aaron Rodgers with a competent front office and head coach. Yeah, I mean uh, a little bit more skill, I think. Yeah, it sort of helps to have a competent uh, head coach and front office that gets you like some of the best weapons in the league the only thing bad about this deal is like what are they going to do because they have like arguably top top five in my opinion top three tight end in the league travis kelsey uh not three not two but i think he's number one and then they got tyree kill who's another top five top 10 wide receiver fastest in the league Unless uh, Henry Ruggs takes that title from him, but I don't know how they're going to get all these people paid. They got Tyron Matthew, all that. That's the only thing I'm worried about. Yeah, well, I want to say I know they need to re-sign Kelsey, but I want to say they just signed um, Tyree Kill like right before he got into all those issues about uh, being his family. Yeah, right. I think he had just signed a new contract. I could be wrong there, but e- even still, like. They're wide receivers. They're not going to make that much money. They're tight end and wide receiver. Travis Kelsey does does deserve it though, and I think he's going to be he's on a a team friendly deal at the moment as well. Yeah, and speaking of uh, team friendly deals, we got Cam to the Patriots. Uh, he signed for the league minimum. There's like a. Saw some reports where, like, of course, Jared Stenham is making more than him. Uh, Brian Hoyer. Um, basically a bunch of garbage quarterbacks. And, uh, Nate Peterman. Yeah, Nathan Peterman. And, like, of course, that story broke about, like, that last week. Um, so it's not news to us. But he recently really released a statement saying, uh, I'm tired of being humble. Dash Cam Newton. And that's just pretty laughable to me. Guy uh, dabbing, uh, doing all this uh, touchdown dances and all that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, dude was MVP of the league when he's doing all that. But, I mean, he's been maybe humble for, like, not even humble. He's just been getting disrespected by the league for, like, 15 minutes. His 15 minutes of disrespect instead of his 15 minutes of fame. And he's like, I'm coming back with a vengeance. I'm tired of being humble. Like, dude, come on. Yeah, it's not really that he's been humble, and don't get me wrong, I love Cam Newton, huge Auburn fan, but uh, he just hasn't had an opportunity to be in the spotlight. Yeah. So it's not really that he's been being humble, but it's just he hasn't had a voice yeah. other than his own social media presence for the yeah. past, what, like year? Yeah, basically, he since he's been injured and released and all that stuff, so... But uh, on the sidelines. But I'm ready to see what Belichick cooks up with him because he's been dealing with Brady. I'm ready to see what 
they cook up with Cam in their offense and just to sort of see like a whole new dynamic they're going to add to their offense with Julian Edelman, who used to be a quarterback in college, and Cam Newton being able to move, run, catch, throw, all of it. So I'm just sort of interested to see what that what's going to happen with that. Yeah, I can see them producing a lot of uh, gimmicky stuff this year with Josh McDaniels running that show. And, uh, I mean, yeah, they got James White and Sony Michelle. They've got weapons. Like It's, it's going to be interesting. I think they'll be pretty solid, especially because that, what is it, the AFC East is just it's garbage. It's so garbage. Yeah. I mean, the Bills, the Bills will be good again. But outside of that, you've got pretty much four, four free wins against – the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah. And like, I even mean, with the Bills, like, they got Stefan Diggs, but you can't really, like, the quarterback is not the most reliable. Josh Allen yeah, is yeah. just sort of. He's like, either really good or he's really bad. There's no middle of the road with him. There's no Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, well, other than that, uh, we've got Fight Island coming up. That's going to be hype. That, going down in uh, Abu Dhabi. And that's six. I, I think there are six defending or former champions fighting. Yeah. And also Jorge Masvidal, the BMF. And I so- don't know if that belt is up. Like, I mean, I, he's fighting, so I assume that. That belt's up for grabs by Usman as well, so there are four belts on the line this Saturday. Yeah. That's going to be hype. And so basically, for the people who don't know about Fight Island, uh, it was Dana White's like solution to quarantine, where he was just going to like get buy get this island, put a UFC ring on it, and then corn basically like a sports quarantine where it's just like a vacation where there are no rules restricting them and stuff. And they released, like, pictures and everything about what it's going to look like. And it's right on the beach with the water, like, 20 feet away. It's sick. Absolutely sick. Adam, what do you think about this? I think, let's see. I, I think it's going to be a really good, really good fight. It's one of, probably the only fight card that's had three different championship fights in it. Let's see. It's got to be. We got yeah, we got Piotr Jan and uh, Jose Aldo, which okay, and I I'm don't... not as well versed with the UFC, so like, are there any like, if there are any ways where you can make those two like any of the competitors known to me? Like, I know with Masvidal, he was like the video that went around that was the fastest knockout of all time. Like, he trained with Kimbo Slice with like a couple of the other guys. I don't really know him. Jose Aldo is the guy that got knocked out in 13 seconds by Conor McGregor. Okay, yeah. So he's a like featherweight champion, legend in the featherweight division. Now he's moved down to the bantamweight. He did which get a is, knockout uh, in what? He got one of the fastest knockouts ever, I'm pretty sure. Are you talking about Jose? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I actually don't know. I'm pretty sure. He did something similar to Masvidal. Not quite to the extent, but... The the fight I'm pretty sure the fight just kind of started and he walked around I can't remember who it was against but I do remember he did a a, a flying knee and got a knockout pretty quick. Let's see. I wouldn't be surprised. 
I mean, he's uh, 28 and 6 from through the featherweight division. Well, one of those losses came uh, when he moved down to bantamweight. So I think this is his second, second or third fight at bantamweight, which is 135. Um, at 135, and moved down from featherweight. And so I was watching a video earlier, actually. And in his first bantamweight fight, I can't remember who he was fighting, but. It seemed like he won the fight convincingly. Everyone thought so. Dana White thought so. Um, and he ended up losing by split decision. So he has basically guaranteed, or he, yeah, he's guaranteed that he's going to finish the rest of his fights, the remainder of his fights, and right. not leave it up to a decision. So this should be an exciting one. And he's fighting uh, Peter Yawn. Yeah, Peter Yawn. So I honestly, 14-1. I don't see Peter Yawn losing to anyone. To be quite honest, yeah, he's a savage. I let's see. I when I watched his last fight, I didn't know much about it. I knew it was good. I knew he was on this undefeated fight streak. Um, but man, the, dude, the amount of power and just technique he has is crazy to me for someone that looks so unassuming. And he, uh, let's see, people have never really been able to strike well on him. He's been. All of his strikes are so fundamental, but at the same time, there's so much power behind them, and it's hard. It's hard for me to see anybody in that in that division that can take him. Honestly, I hate I hate disrespecting Jose Aldo. He's he's a legend, always has been, but I don't see anybody beating Purion at all right now. To be honest, it's just I don't think it's in the cards. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Piotr as well on that one. Like you said, no disrespect to Jose Aldo, but uh, he's on the back end of his career, and it seems like Jan is just entering his prime. Exactly. And also, and this is this is a title fight, so the it's a vacant belt right now. So whoever wins this is going to be the champion of the bantamweight division. Uh, I think that's going to be Pierre Jan. I think, and after that, I believe it's it's Holloway and uh, Volkanovski. Volkanovski, correct. Yeah, Alexander Volkanovski. He so, and this is a rematch as well. Yes. So let's see. Whenever they fought last, Volkanovski got the win. So Volkanovski, I believe, is the current champion. Correct. It is. So this is going to be his first title defense at featherweight. Yeah, and. My, I was watch. I was actually rewatch. They have the full Volkanovski versus Holloway, the first fight, on YouTube. I was, I was watching it. I watched it a couple days ago, and I, unless Max Holloway finds some way to get away from Volkanovski's leg, leg kicks, I don't know how he can be successful. I was Vol, uh, Volkanovski landed. Uh, upwards of 30 leg kicks by the end of the second round. Yeah, he was tearing him up, and I actually was watching earlier a video. Volkanovski has been like continuously practicing leg kicks. Um, his coach or his trainer built a thing, so I, I can't remember where he trains at. He's from Australia, yeah. But wherever he trains at, his his trainer recreated so like. In Thailand, they kick banana trees to like harden their shins. Right. But his trainer recreated that somehow or another with just like a pole and a bunch of tape and whatnot. And uh, I watched the video. He was in there just kicking that thing, 
he said he went two three minute rounds on it and his shins were just red at the end of it like swollen and he said yeah i hope he's got an answer for this because i basically don't even feel anything when i do this at this point so there's going to be a lot of these yeah, Matt, and Max Holloway, he when he's at his best is when he's able to move freely, when he's able to to be able to hit a, hit you with a flurry of flurry of punches and and jabs and attacks. But in the first fight, Volkanovski somehow figured out how to just tame that. Yeah, I think I, just like keeping him at bay with those leg kicks, like, and especially at at some point or another, like you said after you've gotten hit by 30 of those, you're going to become less mobile, and you're, you're not going to be able to move around like you want to. By the end of the fight, I'm pretty sure he had more than 70 leg kicks landed. Yeah. Not just attempted, but landed. And so That's I, got to affect the mobility. I think Volkanovski is just going to dominate this time once again. I don't think he can... I don't think he's going to slow down a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be surprised if Max Holloway is able to make something happen here. I'm gonna also have to say it's gonna be Volkanovski again, and then the main event: Jorge Masvidal versus Kamara Usman. That's what everybody wants to see. Yeah, and it's so exciting because nobody people were going to watch the original fight, Usman and Gilbert Burns. But that wasn't the fight that everybody really wanted. And I hate that it, it's absolutely horrible for Burns. He's an incredible fighter. I think he does deserve a shot at the title uh, in welterweight. But um, he's just he just wasn't what the people wanted to see. So I think it's going to make that make that a much more interesting fight. Maz, Masvidal, I think, needs to find a way to keep it up. Because Usman, Usman is an incredible wrestler. Even though the last fight against uh, Colby Covington, they just kind of stood up the whole time. But it's, I think it's mainly because they were both such incredible wrestlers that neither of them, like neither of them, could find a way to kind of uh, exploit exploit the other's uh, weakness. You know. That and it also seemed like they just wanted to hurt each other. Yeah, right. that too. Didn't yeah, block each other. And I, th- I think if Usman lets Masvidal get the same kind of shots that Colby Covington got on him, I think that Usman's going to lose. But I, it's it's tough because even though Masvidal doesn't have a lot of background in like wrestling or or anything like that, it's somehow so difficult to take him down. Every yeah, every I don't know what it is. It's- I've just noticed he has. Like incredible balance, his takedown defense has always been pretty good, and I I don't understand how because he does not have that much background in wrestling in like wrestling type fighting. No, you I I never see him on like if the fight goes to the ground, he tries to stand it back up and right. get back on his feet as quickly as possible. I mean, we're talking about a guy that came up in uh, Miami. Do, do yeah, like in my what's his name? Kimbo Slice. In, Kimbo, in, yeah, in backyard Kimbo Slice fights. So like, he's, and I he's also heard primarily a kickboxer, boxer, or whatever. And I, I'm so surprised he hasn't gotten a title shot yet. This is his first title shot, and he's let's see. I think he's got the most fights without a title shot. Yes, I could be so, wrong. 
he's fought 48 times. He's 35 and 13. And this is his first title shot. But it was it was one of those things where like he was kind of a journeyman throughout the middle of his career early on. And then like recently, what, within the last four years or so, he had that Darren Till fight where he knocked Darren Till out. Yes. And that got him a lot of notoriety. And then he's on that three-fight tear with what it was. Uh, ben Askren with the flying knee in five seconds, uh, which was incredible. There was a wonderful and then who is who did he fight after Nate Diaz? Or has he fought since Nate Diaz? No, he hasn't fought since Nate Diaz. He beat uh he got Darren Till, he got Wonder Boy. Uh Okay. And uh and yeah, Nate Diaz. And he's been but he dominated. He's been very fights. adamant. He's been very adamant about getting a rematch with Nate Diaz as well after the Usman fight, which I think is I don't think there's a point. Besides them just wanting to fight each other. That was just interesting because, I mean, everybody that knows anything about Nate Diaz knows that the dude can take a beating, and then exactly. he seems to come on in the championship rounds. Like, he lets people, not to say that getting beat up on is a good strategy, but he's so skilled in jiu-jitsu, it seems like he can go to the ground and let people wear themselves out, and his conditioning is amazing. And in the championship rounds, he just flips the switch where he's just goes off and in that fight with Masvidal I believe it got called at the end of the third round yeah that's what I was about to say I'm pretty sure it got called at the end of the third round because there was too much uh too much bleeding I think yeah the doctor stopped it yeah that was the that was the BMF fight right yeah that was the BMF bell not what we want to see no unless somebody's eye is hanging out of their eye socket the doctor needs to stay (laughs) in the corner but Masvidal is very dangerous. Um, he's one of the greatest strike. He's one of the strongest strikers in the welterweight division, and one of the most experienced. So it's so difficult. I think it could go either way. In my opinion, it my brain. Could- my brain tells me Usman, but my heart tells me Masvidal, and I, I can't go against Masvidal. And so interesting just because, I mean, so Usman's been in a camp for like three months preparing for Gilbert Burns. I don't know what Jorge Masvidal's been doing for the past however long. Uh, He's been training, but he hasn't been in a training to go five rounds for five minutes in a championship fight. So I really don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting. It's always so difficult to tell when you have to substitute a – when you have to substitute an opponent at the last minute, it's always so difficult to try and... Because there's so many factors that go into it, the training camp and how they're preparing for uh, whichever opponent and stuff like that. And Masvidal and Gilbert Burns are similar in some ways in, in the fact that they're both very powerful strikers, but honestly, I think it's either going to... I think if Usman wins, he's going to get a submission. Yeah, the only, the only way I see Masvidal winning is by knockout. Yeah, I think if it moves the distance, uh, Usman's going to get the decision, and Usman can also submit him. Exactly. But, but I guess we'll see Saturday night. Yeah, it's going to be it, either way. I don't either way it goes. It's going to be an incredible fight. I think it, could, it has potential to be fight of the year. 
all three of the championship fights have potential to be a fight of the year, actually. Um, yeah, and even the two fights before that, um, I think, are strawweight and flyweight women. Um, Jessica Andretti and Rose Namajunas were both the former strawweight champions, and that's also a rematch. I'm sure that'll be a good one. Yeah. And then I don't know who's fighting before that. It's like Paige Van Zandt, somebody else, but it's a solid card. It should be oh, a good night. It's one, of the, like it's one of the better cards I've seen in a while. Yeah, definitely. It's been a long time, but... But it's going to be fun, uh, and and after Fight Island, thankfully, we're going to start getting more like NBA. There's yeah, we're getting some sports back besides watching people fight. Exactly, UFC has been the only thing around for a minute, but now officially today, teams are starting to leave for the Disney World Orlando bubble. Um, so they're. There are some teams leaving today, some teams leaving tomorrow, and some teams leaving the day after tomorrow. I'm going to be very interested to see like how all the players who just, like James Harden, who goes out, goes, every time he's at an away game, he just goes out, goes crazy, like being confined to one hotel uh, for two weeks or whatever before they uh, get started playing. But some of the, one trend that I'm seeing is like, a lot of players are sitting out, and some of them are very important, but from the majority, it's like garbage teams that are, don't have a chance. You're just like, ah, we'll do it next year. Like, There's a list. We have a list of like 13 players who are sitting out, and it seems like half of them are from the Nets. The Nets are just like, ah, we don't have KD, so we'll try again next year. Kyrie's tried to get people to stop playing so there wouldn't be a championship. He's the worst. Big Kyrie hater over here, but um, has nothing to do with my being a fan of the Celtics or anything like that. Kyrie, it's just horrible. Um, Kyrie as an individual player is one of the most skilled players I've ever seen. But the way that he just kind of carries carries himself and like the things he does off the court, I don't have much of an explanation for them. Dude, he's just sort of crazy. He believes in the flat earth. He uh, it, So it seems like he's just like contrarian for the sake of being yeah, contrarian. I agree with that. Like, there's no, he doesn't have any reason. It just, he doesn't want to be like everybody else. So he just has to be difficult. Yeah. And so like, along with that, like, like Kyrie's sitting out. Spencer Dinwiddie is sitting out. DeAndre Jordan is sitting out. Wilson Chandler is sitting out. Sitting out, or does he have Rona? He's staying home because he has staying, Rona. Yeah. Like that's okay. that's what all these people are staying home. And then, and like, then today, today they announced uh, Adrian Wojnarowski announced today that Bradley Beal is sitting out. Wash bomb. Yeah, yeah, and that's bad for them because they already had lost their second leading scorer in Davis Bertans because he was sitting out to kind of mend his injury. Kind of because he's like he's coming out out of the best season he's had, and so he doesn't want to kind of he doesn't want to reinflame his injury on a postseason where they're probably not going to do anything anyway. And this is act like all these players being out is kind of big because the Wizards and the Nets were both a bit in the playoff race. 
I feel like they're both just scrapping it. They're like, oh, we'll end up in the lottery. We'll get a decent pick. Like, we're not worried about it since all our stars are hurt. Like, they're not even going to try. But a really, like, all that's what it seems like with all these people, except for, like, Victor Oladipo, the Pacers are still... The, that's the worst thing about the Pacers is that they're still going to be horrible to go against first round. Like, it sucks to go against the Pacers first round because they're a well-machine. They played great as a team. They've got... Uh, What's his name that came from the Bucks? Miles Turner. They've got Miles uh, Turner. I was talking Brogdon, about no, no. Uh, Evan Brogdon. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon, Brogdon, Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon is going off. Uh, and so they're just going to be a like a pain in the side for whoever gets them first round. Um, What's going to be most interesting to see, uh, I was going on Twitter today, and I think the one the team that's going to be most impacted by like Bradley Beal or the Nets not playing so much, like not, not a lot of the Nets playing, is probably going to be the Celtics. So they're... Because they're in the race for the two seed, and let's see, I I was looking at their schedule today, and they're supposed to be, like they're supposed to be playing the Wizards two days before they play the Raptors. There's I can't remember if it's the Wizards or the Nets that they're supposed to play right before the Raptors, but I know those three games are all around each other. Let's see. Let me double. Let me make. I think sure. those are the first two games before they play. Let me make sure the Raptors. No, because there's there's one before and there's one after. Let me uh-huh. double check here on Twitter. Um. Okay, so Shams came out this morning, said that Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal are not going to play in the restarted season. Bradley Beal because of his shoulder injury. And let's see. It wasn't Spencer Dinwiddie's choice. It was the Nets team doctors that decided to have Spencer Dinwiddie sit. So yeah, but Nets are just so. Um, and let's see here. So for the Celtics, the Celtics will play Brooklyn on August fifth, uh, and Toronto on August seventh. So that's kind of big for the Celtics because they can choose. Brad Stevens could choose to sit. Some very important players against the Nets, since the Nets don't have as many of their threats, and that can make a big difference for the next game against Toronto. Yeah, they could really get a tune-up as like all the way through their bench, and it's let everybody get some serious minutes. This this break, this quarantine break was probably the best for the Celtics it possibly could have been, because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had. Both gotten a couple of tweaks right before the quarantine started. Um, Kemba Walker had knee problems. Robert Williams off the bench has been injury ridden all year, and that's that's been horrible because he's an incredible big man. Uh, in his rookie year, he uh, whenever they played against the Pelicans when Anthony Davis was still on the Pelicans, uh, he got he got I think three. Three blocks against Anthony Davis, just playing straight up with him on the block. And after the game, Anthony Davis kind of went out of his way to say that kid is special. He's got a lot of athletic ability and defensive ability as long as you give him time. Because he's got – he and he's insanely athletic. He's got a 7-foot-5 wingspan, and he's only 6'9", and he has a 40-inch vertical. 
crazy. Yeah, Robert Williams is ridiculous. I remember watching him destroy Auburn, not this season, but last season when we went to the Final Four. Um, one of the only games we lost in the regular season was to Texas A&M, and it was because Robert Williams, and I can't remember who they're – they had another center that was also really good, and uh, they just dominated mm-hmm. the whole game. I remember thinking that that guy's going to, you know, he's going to do something in the league. And, of course, the Celtics always seem to scoop up players well, like that. It wasn't It wasn't last year. It was – he's been in the league for two years. So, that was probably three I years think, ago. Yeah, because this is his okay. second year in the league. But, uh, yeah, no, yeah, he had, like, some really bad injury. And so, he was supposed to go, like, top six in the draft. But then he ended up dropping to, like, past the, like, 13. Dropped to 13 or um, – around there but out of this list the biggest name i'm seeing even though you're seeing like bradley beal who is a year-to-year all-star he wasn't this year sort of robbed but um uh, you're seeing victor oladipo and stars like that the biggest difference maker in my opinion is avery bradley not being able to play for the lakers because he, he just didn't want to play right yeah he's sitting out because of uh He's sitting out because of the current state of the yeah, country. Yeah. And like spending time with family and stuff like that. But he is locked down. Like Avery Bradley's defense is unreal. Like he's possibly one of the most important parts of that starting five, obviously, other than LeBron and A D. But And they replaced him with J.R. Smith. With J.R. Swish. <laughs> And I mean, as exciting as that is, for y'all at home, yeah, like who's going to guard Kawhi and Paul George? Like who? Who is Danny? Danny Green's good, but like they needed those two to lock up Kawhi and Paul George. Like LeBron isn't going to guard him; he's old and, and still doesn't care about defense. Yeah, he will. In and the playoffs, he will. Sure. Yeah, just like he locked up KD. Are they even going to match up in the playoffs? Do, do the Lakers even have to worry about this? In thing? the conference finals. They're going to have to get to each other again. Make it finals. to the conference finals? For sure. I don't know, man. I think, honestly, Avery Bradley would have been more beneficial against Lou Will than yeah. either I mean, like of all those of people anyway. I think he wouldn't have done well against Kawhi. Just Kawhi is a little bit bigger. He probably could have bullied Avery Bradley a little bit. But he would have done great against Paul George and Lou Will. My thing is, I love J.R. Smith, but I really wish the Lakers would have signed Jamal Crawford. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're talking about a walk in 10 points. Yeah. Every night. I mean, they're, they're what, maybe like 20 good defenders in the, in the NBA at this point. I mean, nobody really plays defense. Everybody in the league can score. Bring in some points. But I don't know. I sort of support the JR signing just because we're going to get all the Hennessy memes and him showing up to the Staples Center instead of in Orlando. Just like all the boneheaded JR memes are hilarious. I can't get over them. And I'm just glad it's back in my life. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty wild that you could not know the score of the game within the last five seconds of the, the finals. Yeah. Where do they do that at? But I mean, not, not that the Cavs are going to win that series, but 
They had a chance Still, to win that game. They had, had a chance to make it. Still that game. Yeah. But also, LeBron let's be real. Does does J.R. Smith belong in Cleveland, Ohio, or does he belong in L.A.? He belongs in L.A. That personality, Fact. that's an L.A. personality, for sure. Fact. He's an L.A. or New York personality. Yeah. But, I mean, who wants to live in Cleveland, Ohio, anyway? Like, I don't think anybody does. Yeah, that's my favorite Joe Kim Noah quote. He's like, you know anybody who vacations in Cleveland? <laughs> no. What's the like about Cleveland? See, other than that, the only notable person sitting out is LaMarcus Aldridge. The Spurs are rocking like the, the 12 seed right now. And they're chasing their 23rd consecutive playoff run without their top scorer. It's not looking too hot for them. So I'm speaking just personally of, counting them out. Speaking of the Spurs, did you all see the rumblings of Pop to the Nets? No, I have not seen that. So it's just like I saw a proposal, maybe like House of Highlights or something like that. But it was saying that the Nets are possibly planning to offer a Godfather-like deal to try and get Pop away from the Spurs to to the Nets. Are we talking about like a... I mean, I think we're talking about like a Bill Belichick type, like you're GM, like you're calling all the shots, you're the head coach type thing. But like, how are they going to get him though? He's under contract with the Spurs. Are we talking like a... Doc Rivers, like, trade? You remember when Doc Rivers got traded to the Clippers? That's that's literally all I saw. I don't know. I don't don't see Pop leaving the Spurs. I don't. I don't either. I don't either. I think... But the Nets need to get somebody that uh, Kyrie Irving can't undermine. Yeah, they've got to have just an alpha in the room that'll just tell Kyrie to shut up because Kyrie needs it. Aside from the NBA season being crazy, though, how about how bad the 2K covers are? Yeah, trash. Absolute trash. Um, I uh, I saw them, and I thought they were a joke. I thought it was like a yeah, meme. I, mean, I thought it was a it meme. It looks like a made. kid that just learned how to use Photoshop is like, hey, watch this. This is this is what it's going to look like when I put Zion on 2K21. Either that, like, or it was just like some old... It was some old dude who saw, like, uh, on the internet, like, all the memes, how deep-fried memes are really popular now. He's like, oh, I'm just going to deep-fry a picture of Zion for sure. But, hey, a trash cover for a trash game, honestly. Yeah, I'm wondering when somebody else is going to make a a sports basketball game that's worth the crap. Like, every year they they do the same thing. They post a picture previewing the new game, showing that the graphics are so much better. But all they do is put a sweaty picture of the new game next to a next to a horrible quality picture of the last game and they try and say that this year it's so much better and there's so much so much different and new. But every year it's the same game, just slightly better graphics. Slightly worse gameplay. Two K sixteen will not be topped. 2K20 exactly. 2K20 was one of the worst 2Ks I've played in years. I mean, you can't make an outlet pass on 2K20. You Ever. throw it three rows back into the into the stands. Like what is that? No, but what what's the funniest to me is that there was a I saw on Twitter there was a there was a tweet that went viral this uh 
this like 19 year old graphic designer made his own 2K, uh, his own 2K cover. Probably get a job out of that, honestly. Yeah, and let's see, it was the one with John Morant. Oh yeah, I saw those. You saw that? Way better. And he made way better this Kobe one. Oh yeah, it's sick. He made this Kobe one. Is one with uh, Gigi on it? No. Or is that just going to be okay? Yeah, still a lot better. And those actually look like historically accurate to 2K covers we've seen in the past. Exactly. I don't know what what the graphic designers are doing when they put out these 2K covers for the upcoming game, but it seems like they... I'm praying that the gameplay is something serious. I'm praying that they actually made a difference this year, but in my opinion, Ronnie 2K does not deserve a job. Yeah, Ronnie needs to get his spread up. Ronnie needs to get his spread up. But, uh, all right, on to our next section. Uh, this podcast is called Hot Takes and Cold Cuts. So this segment is going to be our hot takes. It's going to be uh, debate questions that are open to our viewers and listeners. So you can submit requests through our Instagram or through any like posts, social media, like me, Victor, Adam. Um, you can just reach out to us with us with anything you have to say. Anything is welcome from like your goat debate, like who's the greatest of all time, or recent hot topics, or like anything is up for discussion. Anything that's on your mind, so just send those to us, and that'll be on our segment for next podcast. And um, next up, we've got our interview with Will Sweeney, son of Dabo Sweeney, Clemson head football coach. He is a wide receiver slash placeholder there at Clemson. And something to look forward to. Dude, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. I know, I know bro. Yeah, I was, uh, I guess, I don't know if y'all don't really have a chance to come up anytime this spring. Yeah, we, dude, we were going to. We had been, uh, we had been talking to George a good little bit. Uh, and we were going to come up towards the end of our spring break. Because our yeah. spring break com- like straight straight led into you guys's, but he, really? he ended up having he was going on a plane ride to Vegas or something like that. I gotta ask for the Mortel Holder of the Year award. How disappointed were you that you weren't <laughs> selected, dude? I was crushed. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, you know, the only thing uh, giving me hope right now is that I have another year left. Right, and, right. And uh, you know, I'm thinking now as I. Come, come back and I'll be a fourth year holder. Uh, I'm hoping to get some more consideration for it. Um, I definitely, you know, it's definitely something I need to start probably campaigning for. Right, uh, right. I mean, you know, because you know, when you play on a team like Clemson, we score a lot of touchdowns. So that means I'm out there a lot. Exactly. So, no, I think that's something that uh, I need to get the, um, whoever the executives are, I need to get their attention this year. <laughs> right. So, like, what kind of training are you doing exactly to – Make sure that you're the clear, the clear winner. <laughs> Man, well, always, uh, obviously, always doing all my receiver training. But as far as holding, you know, I do. I actually do do a lot of hand exercises and finger stuff. You know, right. I just want to have strong grip. Right. And I, I don't know if that's about all you can do. <laughs> Maybe a little you know, bit of American Ninja Warrior action. Just get some And speaking of your receiving, man, like that first touchdown you had, it was the the eight yard run, and. Honestly, you kind you kind of bullied about three or four people into the end zone, if I remember correctly. So I gotta know. I want to see some Will Sweeney Wildcat action. Are we gonna see any of it? 
into like the placeholder of the year thing say if you were selected um basically what they do is with the person who wins they pick a charity that they're going to raise money for i know i don't know if you've heard about that if you were yep. to pick a charity what uh sort of passion do you have what, what charity would you choose to go towards yeah um you know, I think probably the easy answer for me and the one that I am passionate about would be my uh, parents' foundation they have. Uh, they have the Dad on Kathleen All-In Foundation, right. which supports uh, it supports kids from underprivileged areas, supports mothers who are battling addiction. Right. It also supports some um, cancer research. And those are all things that I'm definitely passionate about, especially the cancer research, because um, that's something that's like been affected in my family and through friends and stuff. Right. So I think uh, that's probably the foundation I choose. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. I, I love to hear I love to hear stuff like that, man. Uh, all right, and uh, next up we have we wanted to talk about uh, saw on Instagram live a couple uh, about a week or two ago. You had a little decathlon action with uh, Hunter Renfro, and uh, just wanted to hear about like I saw the egg toss competition. What other things have you been doing to get by in quarantine? <laughs> Who's in the league? What's that lead with the whole competition, yeah. and what's happening with that? Bro, that was a fun day because, like, obviously now we've had a lot more time than normal. And uh, it's kind of something, like, we always talked about doing, but we never actually did. Like, we always, like, playing different games, just competing and stuff. Right. But it was uh, my buddy – it was Hunter Renfro and then uh, two of our buddies, Sawyer and Dylan. Mm. And uh, Dylan was on my team, Sawyer with Hunter, and we were like, all right. All day today, we're going to do a decathlon, an odd number. We did 12 total events, I guess, in decathlon, but we split 66 on the day we was over. The different stuff we did that day, it included, like, we started off playing um, pool, and then we did close to the pen challenge on the golf simulator. Right. We did two-on-two -two tennis, two-on-two -two basketball, um, egg toss, pool basketball, and Madden space. Like, we literally had it all covered, just, right. like, just <laughs> doing games. So it, it turned out a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, bro. What, By the end of the day, Hunter and I had actually worked out that morning too and when we were playing pool basketball at the end we literally were like cramping in our legs for right. hours. <laughs> no that's it dude pool getting in a pool and playing basketball is a different type of workout it's, it's oh killer. yeah there's no fouls either you're just out there playing <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just street, ball. Yeah, street ball yeah exactly <laughs> it is awesome what what other type of things have you you've been doing during quarantine I've it's a good question so i'd say i've been doing probably more reading uh, than I normally would. Right. Um, and then other than that, I've, I've probably new hobbies. You know, I, uh, I, I have started to get into uh, TikToks. And I've been <laughs> right. my that's, that we've made some funny one of those to kind of pass the time. Um, but really just kind of just staying active and just playing games and mm. just spending time with family, really. You know, our, our family, we're always kind of very busy, especially my dad. So to be able to all kind of be together i think it's just been a good time for all of us to kind of relax a bit yeah that, that makes a lot of, if if any time is good to be with your family and get closer with them it's now honestly yeah for sure for sure exactly everybody has 
no choice at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got, got to find the positives in it, that's for sure. Right. Um, oh, and, man, we saw, uh, came out today about so unfortunate about Justin Ross uh, not being able to play next year because he was, let's see, who was y'all's leading receiver two years ago? Yep, yep. And then last year he was second. So do you have – do you have any overlook on like who would be able to kind of fill that hole? Like, are, are you gonna? Obviously, y'all are very well rounded at every position. But are yeah. you guys? Or do you have anybody in mind that could specifically kind of fill that hole that uh, Justin Ross is kind of leaving? Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, that was a just a tough thing. We kind of had a we had known he, he has is kind of a crazy his spine just like. Uh, it was weird about it. The injury is that like, he doesn't know that he's hurt. Like he doesn't, he can't feel anything, right. but it's just, he's at high risk for like paralysis. If he were to take a hit the wrong way. Right. Um, so they have to do the surgery, but as far as obviously we, I mean, he is, you can't really, it's hard to replace someone like him, but we definitely, that's the one position group that we definitely can afford to, you know, not have one of our key playmakers there. Cause we have so many of us, um, a lot of good uh, guys that are able and very capable to play. I think probably a couple of them that stick out to me would be uh, Joseph Ngata. He'd be uh, the first one. He, he was a freshman last year, a true right. freshman from California. He was uh, he played a good bit, and uh, he'll step up and have a great year. And then Frank Ladson, he's another uh, rising talk where they're the same class. He's from Miami, and uh, he's really good as well. Right. Yes. And, and y'all, uh, do you have – any any kind of expectations for the people coming in? Like, I, I, y'all have an incredible recruiting class as usual. Yeah. Um, so, I, do you have like any standout players that you think are going to make an immediate impact? Yeah. Well, I'd say uh, the one the one receiver, freshman receiver, EJ Williams. He right. actually came from Justin Ross's high school in uh, Phoenix right. City, and he he was here this spring and he did really well. He really stuck out stood right. out to me. Um, he definitely needs to kind of get in the weight room this summer and add some more muscle, but he has all the all the skill set that you need. And then another one that stood out to me on the defensive side of the ball would be uh, Fred Davis. He's a mm-hmm. cornerback, and wow. uh, he's a true freshman also, and he had a great spring too, made a lot of plays. Um, but that's, that's really a good thing is we had about 70% of our class enrolled early this spring. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge for our team to be able yeah. to, you know, get those guys in here, learn the playbook. Uh, get adjusted to the way of life, and that's going to just pay dividends for us this year, having those guys, because it's almost like they've been here a full year by now. Right, yeah, I've seen, I, I saw a lot of uh, a lot of posts about people coming in early, because I, I follow the Clemson football page on Instagram and Twitter and stuff, yeah. and I I was seeing so many early admissions come, come Christmas time, and I was just like, I, know. I was like, man, these guys are, these guys are doing it right. Yeah, for sure, so, for sure. Uh, with that early admission, so one thing we we're going to talk about is how, um, with all this self-quarantining and stuff, how that has affected y'all's workouts, and obviously with a lot of early enroll enrollment, that helped sort of get team continuity and help that out before everybody was sort of locked out. How has um, coronavirus affected the way Clemson runs its, its program? How are y'all getting workouts in? Um, yeah, I don't know if y'all are able to talk about some of this stuff. You don't want. Uh... No, no, no. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> no. Kind of taking it from there. Yeah, luckily, so we had about they kind of did a survey. About seventy five percent of our team had access to weights, mm-hmm. um, at, whether it's at their home or at a buddy's house or something, and uh, so that was good. But there's still a good bit of guys that 
didn't really, I mean, it's hard to get great workouts in. I mean, when you right. go from the facility we have. So, uh, right. but our strength staff has done an amazing job during this time. You know, Coach Batson, so they'd send us workouts weekly, kind of four days a week, two upper body days, two lower body days, and then what type of conditioning to do with it. And they've sent us for about the past 10 weeks, uh, just workouts every other uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Right. And, um, and, but for the guys who don't have weights, they've really gotten creative with it. And, uh, it's just kind of a bunch of body weight exercises. And it's really turned into a funny thing. Like Coach Batson, he'll film, film videos of him, like, getting a heavy backpack and doing lunges and just, like, making up <laughs> right. all this crazy stuff. And uh, they, they make it exciting and make you ready to want to go <laughs> work out. But right. they've definitely uh, – we've been creative with it. Yeah, right? I wanted, for sure. I wanted to uh, – we're going to get, get off base a little bit uh, away from football and we're going to touch a little bit into personal stuff. So uh, – Saw you gone on a bunch of trips. Uh, George has told me about most of y'all are big golfers. Um, yeah. First, I wanted to ask, who's the best golfer in the family? <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing about our golf games is that they're very competitive because we can all be very close. Right now, right. Clay's definitely he's he's lagging behind. He's trying to catch up to us, but. Uh, <laughs> My dad, Drew, and I, we've been able to play more golf than we normally would during this time. And um, I think it's kind of based on the day, although I do have to give Drew credit. He, the last time, last couple times we've played, he has come out on top. He actually shot his best ever the other day. He shot a 79. So uh, that was was good for him. But uh, we're normally all pretty close and kind of based on who has too many blow-up holes that day, we can all lose or win. Right whatever the given day is. And like, so as, and another question about the kind of golf trips, who's like, who's the most impressive like player you've played with? Like the coolest, coolest golf experience you've had with another celebrity yeah. or just anyone in general? Um, coolest golf experience I've had, you know, well, speaking of that, this wouldn't have been me, but, my dad was supposed to be playing Augusta with Tom Brady this, oh, um, this, this beginning of May. He, he was going to play Augusta with Tom Brady and some other people, but no obviously way. that got canceled. Yeah. So he, he was kind of bummed about that. But um, as for myself, uh, I've, I, I kind of stick with a lot of the other amateurs. There have been, I will say Bill Spires, who um, is on staff at Clemson. He's a, right. he's a scratch golfer, and he's probably the best one I've played with mm-hmm. consistently. Um, George can actually be really good at golf some days. He has good days. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I'd say I haven't really golfed with too many, like, really famous people, I don't think. It's kind of just – I kind of just – you know, a bunch of my friends. Right. Now, have you played? I, I, well, I've, I've golfed with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I guess him. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> him and I are definitely about the same, too. He's, he's kind of – he's he's starting to get into it. Right. <laughs> have you played on Augusta? No, I haven't. Definitely a dream one day. Oh, absolutely. I think that's any golfer's dream. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay, and so you sort of mentioned like a bunch of your buddies that played. If you could pick any three guys that uh, you take in a four-man scramble, you, but none of your family members, so okay. whether that's like Trevor, George, whoever, who would you pick to knock out anybody in a golf tournament? All right. Well, I'm definitely I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Hunter Renfro. Okay. Hunter is, uh, I mean, Hunter's a good golfer, but not only that, he just has the it factor. And the right. cl- and the bottom line is, I say this about any sport, it doesn't matter what sport you're playing against Hunter, if you're on the other team and he has a game-winning putt, you're like, well, dang, we lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> saw that, uh, saw that first before, like, a couple years ago. If he's taking a game-winning shot, he's making, like, 
at whenever it's the end and it matters, he's going to come through. Right. That's just how it is. And, uh, so I'm taking Hunter Renfro. Uh, I got tons of trust in him. Then uh, I got to give a, uh, my roommate, Hall Morton, who's actually, he's from Alabama. He went to Oak Mountain High School. Really? He, uh, he was a walk-on safety for us. And um, he's, he's, he had to medically DQ, though, but he's a really good golfer as well. Right. So I'd take Hall and Hunter. And then I'd probably take Will Spires, who's our punter, which is uh, Bill Spires' son. He can okay. he can smash a golf ball. He yeah. can smash it. Yeah, man, that's not a bad list, if you ask me, honestly. No, I, I think I, I would be comfortable in taking on at least anyone on the team in uh, that form of scramble. Right. All right, we might yeah. have to get him down to the old uh, Andalusia uh, oh, four ball tournament? Yeah, four ball tournament. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, um, Dude. I was thinking that's all we had for today. Thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah. First guest of Hot Takes and Cold Cuts. That's big time. Hey, big, <laughs> big time. I'm glad, thank you all for having me, and uh, it was a lot of fun. All right, now on to our next segment. I know we've all got our individual things that it really just gets under your skin, really irritates you. So introducing rants and raves, we're each going to give you uh, something that really, really gets us going. I'll start off. So uh, just close your eyes and picture this for me. You're in the drive-thru of your favorite fast food restaurant that's not Chick-fil-A, and you'll understand why in like 30 seconds. But you get your food, and uh, you look over the person serving you, and you say, hey, can I get some extra sauce? They look back at you, and they say, it's in the bag. Yeah, yeah. Do not get me started on that, dude. I was at uh, I was at Arby's last week, and first of all, I'm not going to Arby's unless I'm getting Arby's sauce, like Max. at all. Like I'm getting a roast beef sandwich with Arby's sauce all over that thing. So I get the half pounder, and I I do that exact same scenario. I was like, hey, can you toss some Arby's sauce in there? She's like, oh, it's already in there. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> got my curly fries. Uh, all that, get back to the house, there's one. I have the biggest sandwich they have, and there's one. But not, not only that, there are seven horsey sauces in there. The horse, Their horseradish sauce, that's the most disgusting thing on this planet. I'm not stepping into Arby's unless I'm getting Arby's sauce. Like, it's, it's horrible. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm sitting here. I just ordered two McChickens. 20 nuggets and a large fry you give me two sweet and sour sauces what am i supposed to do with that <laughs> that's four nuggets maybe that's four nuggets and I'm, I'm out of sauce if i'm being generous with my sauce i mean there, there are one of two things happen are we talking dry with, fries here too yeah yeah that's tough i mean i want to use sauce on everything they act like it they, they act like you take the extra sauces out of their paycheck they do. Right. Yeah. Like, dude, it's it's literally your job to give me what I want to eat right now. Like, my favorite thing is when you're at Chick-fil-A and you say, I want Polynesian and Chick-fil-A sauce, and they say, how many? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. A lot. <laughs> this reminds me of the time I was at, uh, I was at Whataburger. And by the way, if you don't get the spicy ketchup from Whataburger, you don't know what you're doing. So uh, I'm sitting in Whataburger, and the lady comes out with my food. She's got the little tray, you know. She said, do you, need, you like any condiments? I said, yeah, give me all the spicy ketchup you got. <laughs> so what does she do? 
She gave me all the spiced tea ketchup on the tray. And about five minutes later, she comes out of the back with a whole bottle of spicy ketchup and she gave it to me. <laughs> that is the kind of service that I want. But seriously. Whataburger service almost cannot cannot be beat. Chick-fil-A got them beat for it's sure. Di- it's different though. Whataburger is something serious. It's different. Yeah, I love Whataburger. As far as burger restaurants go, it's the best tier. fast food. It's the best yes. fast food burger. But it's like, hey, one of two things happened when you ask for that extra sauce and that, then they say it's in the bag. It's like, okay. one, you don't know what extra means, right? Because I said extra. And so that, I mean, you could have put 15 sauces in the bag already. I want more. Put more. <laughs> put I want more, more than what you gave me. <laughs> I don't or trust you. Just, okay, you. I don't trust you with the amount of sauce that I need. I trust me. I'd rather, that's, I'd rather have I'd rather have way too much than too little. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I can save the sauce and use it at another time when they don't give me enough. For sure, for sure. I'm Adam, not going to throw it away. Adam, uh, what you got for your rants and raves this week? My rants and raves this week, uh, I actually wasn't sure what I was going to do um, until I went to lunch today. Uh, my My... my what grinds my gears is also fast food. I said this morning, I haven't been to Wendy's and gotten myself a nice double stack fo-fo-fo in quite some time. So I, so I said, okay, I'm just going to spend $5, go through the w- Wendy's drive-thru. I pulled up and I said, hey, man, please have a double stack four for four because I'm looking dead on it at the, on the menu. And she says, oh, we don't, we don't do that anymore. And I said, I said, what do you mean? And she said, we don't, we don't make the the double stack four for four anymore. And I, and so I said, well, why is it on the menu? And she said, it shouldn't be. So I said, okay, let me just have the five dollar biggie bag, which is supposed to have the double bacon cheeseburger with nuggets, fries, and a drink. And she says, sir, that does not come with the double bacon cheeseburger anymore. It's almost as if they it found out that with a, it, it came with a crispy chicken sandwich that was maybe the size of half of my palm, covered in mayonnaise, covered. Yeah. The entire piece of chicken was covered in mayonnaise, and there was a piece of lettuce, the size of my thumb. It's almost as if they found out that uh, giving people things for a dollar isn't profitable anymore. Makes me sick. Yeah. So, uh, me, me personally, my rant and rave for this week is, uh, I couldn't decide between girls or guys, this is not discriminatory, uh, reposting their birthdays on their Instagram story, but I decided not to say that, even though, you know. That's a good one, though. That is a good one. It gets me going, especially, like, uh, sorority girls that repost it, like, 30, 40 times, and you're sitting there just... Just pound like trying to get through the Instagram stories like twenty at a day, twenty, thirty, forty. But what I decided on was hating things because the internet tells you to. Like, what's up with these milk haters? First of all, a nice glass of milk with breakfast, bomb. Okay, orange juice might be better, but hating milk, I can get behind the hating Dasani water because that's kind of trash. Dasani water is whack. Dasani water is trash. Uh, I'm either drinking Brita filter 
or Smart Water's gas. Uh, Evian is gas. I'm not a Fiji guy. I never had it just because uh, I've never had it. But yeah, hating things because the internet told you to. That's my what grinds my gears. Like these, like Nickelback. Cult, this Nickelback cult is fire. Huh? Nickelback is a good band. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about I mean, that. I mean, they're okay. I, like, I don't know. I don't know why they get the hate. I don't know why they get the hate. It's not like they're like as bad as the internet makes them out. No, to yeah. I mean, we've got people. They're not as bad as One Direction. And then I turn around and I see them listening to Six Nine. Yeah, yeah. What you doing? And like what the look at this about? the look at this photograph. Iconic, iconic. Yeah, rock star. The thing. Yeah. The thing is, you can't tell me in third grade you weren't singing rock star. You can't tell exactly. me. Exactly. And on the on your little, you touched a little bit on 6 9 At that point, I don't trust anybody. Like, if, if you tell me you actively enjoy 6 9s music, I don't, I don't, you don't get ox. You walk. You're walking home. Big facts. Look, I will admit, one of my guilty pleasures is the song Gumo by 6 9 Which like, one is that? Gumo. Gummo, yeah. Well, this diffy up. Draco got this diffy up. <laughs> well, that's just like funny for like, like the internet made that funny. Like with all the videos that went with it. Or do you like listening to it for enjoyment? I, I, I literally enjoy listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> like, the guilty pleasure. I hate 6 9 but I listen to like when I'm about to walk in the gym, I throw that one on real quick. <laughs> Don't right. make that fake. For the second part of our, it's sort of like our hot takes and cold cuts. Uh, cold cuts can mean a couple of different things. It's like cold jabs. It's uh, getting these like cutting takes in. Uh, but it also it has a second meaning. Uh, cold cuts is obviously like sandwiches. So we're doing a weekly digest. We're going to start that off with our weekly nonsense. It's like a... So, for our weekly nonsense, we've got Kanye West presidential campaign. So, uh, he said on Twitter that he is running for president. A little bit bit late. A little bit bit late registration for presidential campaign. But, um, I saw saw on Twitter that realistically, it's going to be very difficult for him to run for president this year because the amount he has to... Like present, present his campaign. He has to fill out this, that, and the other with high government officials, and so re- realistically, I don't think he's going to have any shot of going for president. But also, I don't think he should. Oh, and like, well, he just said that for it got like eight hundred thousand favorites, and but he said it on Twitter, and there is a story released today that he didn't fill out any of the paperwork. What a, like, shocker. Like, he just said it on Facebook because he loves... He's also one of those contrarians. He's contrarians. He just loves to say things. It gets the people going. (laughs) It really gets the people going. (laughs) But let's say, let's say for just a moment, Kanye does become president. What would he change the national anthem to? What would be the best Kanye national anthem? What you got, Vic? It's gotta be. Can't tell me nothing. Okay, that was my first pick too. Because if I listen to that before every single like sports, like if you listen to that before every NFL game, people are gonna be taking each other's heads off. 
Yeah. And I mean, it just embodies Kanye West being the president of the United States. Yeah. Can't tell me nothing. Absolutely. I think the best Kanye song for National Anthem would be I Love Kanye. <laughs> Out the Life of Pablo. Another great selection. Yeah. Um, where he, it's, it's barely even a, a He basically just raps over an empty beat and talking about, I love the old Kanye, straight from the go Kanye. He's talking about how he's changed so much and peop, a lot of his fan base is starting to kind of kind of mix. It's starting to mix a little bit. But besides that, I'd have to say Runaway would be my second choice. Just so we could have like a 10 minute long national That's exactly anthem. what I like. It'd just be so hilarious to have people just sitting around, not doing like. Uh, at the Olympics, just mad. And just a bunch just of third mad. graders at the beginning of the morning singing Runaway for 10 minutes, <laughs> and they have to learn every word. But if they don't already know every word. Yeah, because ridiculous. I mean, what are it's kids ridiculous. doing nowadays? Honestly, like. On the internet when they're seven years old. But I do think it's hilarious how the whole presidential campaign did turn out because they've started to use like his old album names as like his excuse. Like they said, oh, he he was too busy on late registration and stuff like that to actually become president. And it's so like it's so funny seeing how clever people on Twitter can be. Yeah, well, y'all, y'all got both of my top two. So just off the top of my head, uh, the only one I could go with was, I guess, no church in the wild, because I don't know, separation of church and state, all that, and it just goes goes hard. It's a good song. It's a banger. But and then another thing that I found hilarious about Kanye's tweet is that Elon Musk immediately, immediately said. You have my full support. I think he's just a. I think he's just a Twitter troll. Those two are just Elon characters. Musk doesn't care. No, he, Elon yeah, Musk well. does not care about anything. He sold he does what he wants. He sold a pair of satin red short shorts for sixty nine dollars and four hundred twenty cents. And the reason he did that is because Tesla's stock is priced so high right now that people are shorting it, which is basically for people you don't know that. It means that they're predicting that his their stock price is going to fall. So he's been making fun of people for shorting his stock, saying that the price, uh, the value of his company is going to fall, and so he sells short shorts for sixty nine. And this is like the second time that he sold booty shorts because he did it a couple months back. Oh, and I think a it's different time. I think it's so funny because they also when he released these satin short shorts. They, they like stopped. They they stopped. The website completely stopped, and it like broke down because so many people were trying to get those shorts. What's up, guys? I hate to cut it short today, but we had a few technical difficulties on our end. Um, I want to thank you for watching episode one of Hot Takes and Cold Cuts, and I hope to see you next time.